0: Good morning, LifePoint Church. Great to be together today. Great to hang out and see your face. Uh, We've uh, basically not been able to to do that for some time, and a bunch of us are comfortable, some of us are, are still wearing masks. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but so glad we can be together in person, hanging out together. Also want to welcome those of you watching online, still have a, a good uh, portion of our church online, and so if you're on our live stream, welcome. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, feel free to get involved in the chat and interact that way. Uh, just a great uh, format to, to be together in community there as well. Also, for those uh, watching on YouTube later, welcome to you uh, as well. Many are watching afterwards, and we're glad for that. And, and just as a quick reminder that as we get into the summer, when you're on vacation, if you want to catch up on things happening here, you want to be part of community on Sunday morning, you can still do that via the live stream. Just go to our website. You can connect on our uh, live stream there. You can be involved in the chat. So if you're away, hopefully to a sunny place, a sunny place a warm place, uh, a relaxing place, wherever that is for you, Uh, you can join us and we hope you'll do that. Or you can watch it later in the week as well. Uh, Well, today's a big day because uh, the CDC this past week, uh, we're aware now, everyone's aware that uh, they made a huge announcement and uh, have relaxed the mask protocol for indoor and outdoor activities. And so This past week, um, for some reason, the CDC and uh, the government here, uh, the governor, they seem to make decisions on Thursdays or Fridays. I don't know why, because then it's like we got no time to pivot and make these changes. So all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this big announcement, all this is taking place. And yesterday, we got a video out to you describing our shift away from mask required at our services and also all our gatherings. And so now uh, you can come in and you don't have to wear a mask. But I do want to say this, um, that if you are coming and you're st- comfortable to still wear a mask, that is 100% okay. We've never stigmatized masks. We've never made this political. I don't know why people do that. If this is what you're comfortable doing, we 100% support that. We're glad you're coming. We're glad you're here. So please feel free to continue to wear masks if you want to, but it's not required uh, at our gatherings or all the different things we're doing. And I'm personally excited about that, to see your face. I know some of you had like teeth and like you smiled and like, I, like oh, okay. I had a goatee. It's fairly invisible even when you can see it, but um, it's been there for a while, and you probably, some of you didn't even know it. You didn't even know. Uh, But now we get to see each other, and that's awesome. I'm glad for that. Uh, Also, just want to give a few more details on what we announced earlier on our Building Dedication Sunday. We wanted to do this months and months ago, and we're not able to do it, but please mark your calendars for June 19, because this is going to be a great time. That's a Saturday, On a Saturday, June 19th, we're going to have a a series of events. One uh, will start out at 10 o'clock with uh, facility tours. Uh, Many of you have not seen the building. Some of you are here for the first time in like 18 months, you know, 12 months. And we're glad for that. And many of you are watching online and thinking about coming back and haven't seen the building either, we'd love for you to join us as well. You could come with a mask or without, uh, whichever you're comfortable with. But at 10 o'clock, we're gonna have building tours, facility tours to see the whole building. We have a children's area that we uh, secure on a Sunday morning, so we don't allow people in there without a pass. You'll be able to see that area on a Saturday. Also, we're renovating our basement. We have fantastic, fantastic new space for students downstairs for Kids Life and our youth as well, and we really can't wait to show it to you and show off the rest of our building. You made this possible, and we'd love for you to come and see it firsthand. Also, afterwards at 11 o'clock, we'll have a building dedication service You won't want to miss that we're going to have a video compilation of all kinds of people and events and progress with the building it's very cool you're going to love it i think you definitely don't want to miss it and then at 12 o'clock we're going to do a tailgate luncheon outside the details of that are still coming together but just celebrate hang out together reconnect and i hope that you can uh, make it that day. Please mark your calendars and, and join us. The next day is Father's Day, so that's the day you take Dad out for a meal, okay? Do that Sunday, but we're gonna have a great time on Sunday as well. So we, uh, we've been in this series, Revolution, God's Plan to Change the World, and a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, I brought a mirror in here because I wanted to illustrate one of the primary purposes that God has in mind for you walking and living and breathing on this planet, that we are actually called by God to be a mirror, to not only experience the goodness of this world, not only to to live in a world where we can flourish, and that's God's plan for your life, that you would be blessed, that you would flourish, that you would prosper, that that's why God created us, to pour his goodness into us, But not only do we receive this goodness from God, but now we're to be a mirror, and I brought it in, and you may remember I was flashing it all over. I I stole it from my, my daughter's bedroom. She has this big mirror. I took it from her. I almost took it from her again for today. But I was flashing it on the walls, and I kind of got it on you a little bit, and some of you were squinting. I'm sorry about that if I blinded you temporarily uh, there. But the point of the matter there is that, that God has called us to be image bearers, and part of that is to reflect back to God the delight of his creation, the joy of his creation, and gratitude for all that he has done. That we're to reflect back to God, praises do His name. That we are to be worshipers. So that's our role to reflect back to God, the worship do His name. But we've also seen that we failed at that task. That we've basically taken that mirror that we're supposed to be and we've smashed it to the ground and said, God, I don't really want to acknowledge you as creator. I would rather celebrate my own role in calling the shots in this world. That in fact, I would like to take your place. I'd like to be your substitute and do it my way. It's exactly what Adam and Eve did. And ultimately, it was human beings that failed in the biggest way. A failure that we all have been part of, it's the failure of worship. We fail to acknowledge God or honor God and as a result, we see the world spiraling downhill. We talked about this whole calling to reflect God back to God, the praises due his name. But there's another purpose to the mirror because it's not just reflecting back to God, praise and worship. There's another part, another role, another purpose for which God put you here. And that is that we would be a mirror reflecting the goodness of God, the grace of God, the power of God and the life of God to the broader world. That we don't don't just reflect back to God, praise and worship, to his name, but we're to reflect the image of God, the goodness of God to others around us, to those in our relationships, to those in our community, to those in our schools, to those in our workplaces. God desires that we would be a conduit of his grace to other people. At creation, we see that call to be image bearers. They're called to be people, Adam and Eve, who would be those who would be multiplying. They'd be fruitful. They would grow and reflect the image of God to the ever expanding human family. Israel was also called to do the same thing. God spoke to Abram and said that you were to be descendants who would be blessed. But the blessing came for a very distinct purpose. We read about that in Genesis 12:1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, there's a reason God blessed Abraham. It was so that he and his descendants would in turn be a blessing to others. God didn't just bless them so that they could just kind of enjoy those blessings or that they could just be uh, unto themselves. Those blessings weren't for his descendants alone. They weren't their exclusive possession. They were given by God to be shared and distributed to others. They were given by God so that they would be a conduit of those blessings to everyone around them. That's why it says here, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing to whom, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Moses has the same concept in mind when he says that Israel is a special possession of God, a special people, but they're a special possession for a special purpose. To be, as, Moses, as God said to Moses, a people who are priests, and a holy nation. In other words, God designed this nation, these people, to be a mirror, reflecting the goodness of God and the grace of God to the larger world, reflecting the intimacy of God and the power of God and the wisdom of God to everyone around them. They were to be mediators of this goodness to the world. But once again, human beings failed. Adam and Eve did not want to acknowledge their creatureliness. They did not want to let God lead their lives. The nation of Israel followed suit. They were the same way. They became arrogant and they became proud and rejected their role. They fell short of their calling to be a mirror. And all of this points to a fundamental failure that human beings have always fallen into. We've fallen into it all human beings throughout history have as well. You see, the primary problem stealing our joy, draining our power, undermining our relationships, and confusing us about our purpose is the human failure of vocation. It's the human failure of vocation. The primary reason God has put you on this planet is so that, first of all, you could know God That God could pour his life into you. That you could have a personal connection with God. That even at the very beginning when Adam and Eve walked on this planet, it says that God was not a distant deity. He wasn't off in another universe. He wasn't aloof or on a coffee break or like, I don't know what's going on with them down there. Like the deist God that he created this clock and he disappeared and it just kind of goes on its own. No, God was intimately involved with creation from the very beginning. And it says that he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. It speaks of the personal nature of God. It speaks of the relational connection God desires with us. And so we're to experience that, but that's not the end of the story. Now we're to help others see that they too can experience a closeness with God, that they too can experience intimacy with God, that they too can know the power of God to transform their own lives. This is something God has called us to. And our thriving as human beings is directly linked to this purpose. This purpose is embedded in our DNA. It's linked to our design. And this means that we're not free to follow our own ways. We're not free to create just another purpose for ourselves. We're we're told today that we should just kinda find our own way, create our own meaning, uh, forge our own destiny, and so we try, we try and say, man, I'm gonna find meaning and purpose by having lots of money in the bank, by having possessions, by, by following a certain path and, and collecting things. Maybe I'm collecting cars or I, I'm really good at a sport. Like, life is all about my golf game or how well I do at pickleball. Or maybe life is all about my Facebook posts. Like, man, I got this, these posts that, man, they're just awesome. It's like, wow, everybody's jealous of, of the awesome life that I live. And that's how I find my purpose in life. Just kind of throwing it all out there making people jealous of my life. Maybe life is all about acquiring power or position or prominence. And we think, wow, we're going to live our best life. You know, that's, how, that's what people talk about. Man, you're living your best life. It's like you're eating a sandwich like, on the beach, and they're like, whoa, man, you're living your best life. It's like, we want to live our best life, don't we? And we think, man, if only I had a boyfriend. If only I had a girlfriend, if only I had a ring, if I only had that job, if I only had that position, if I only could drive that car, man, then I'd be fulfilled. I, my, my purpose in life would be realized. If I only had that house in Hawaii, that would be, man, that'd be the best life. We all want to live our best life and we create our own scenarios to get there. Theologian Walter Brueggemann comments on this tendency to try to do life on our own apart from God, apart from God's design, when he says the creator has a purpose and will for creation. The creation exists only because of that will. The creation has not been turned loose on its own, nor has it been given free reign for its own inclinations. We've not been given free reign to follow Whatever we feel like, make it up for ourselves. Now, there's some things that are set in this world, aren't there? Some things that are established that are, that are way beyond debate or discussion. No debate will change it. For example, you can say all day that you don't believe in gravity. Man, I just, I just don't believe in it. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a thing. It's not a thing. And you can actually, you know, get uh, on Facebook and start a a Facebook conversation with people who will come alongside you and say, you know, uh, I think people who believe in gravity are just like seriously stupid. Like, don't they know anything? They're just dumb. you are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a lot of people kind of, we're going to talk about gravity. You can actually start a club. You could start a club and get together. You could have people come in and experts give their expertise on anti-gravity research and maybe have people give seminars and speak and and give their points of view. You you could do all that, but when the ceramic coffee cup on the podium of the presenter falls on the ground and shatters into a million pieces in front of everybody, we'll know at that time that, well, in fact all those objections, they're not valid at all. The same is true when it comes to our purpose. You can say all day, wow, man, there is no God. There's no God out there, and there's no transcendent purpose for the life I live. There's just none. That's silly. It's stupid. There's no transcendent purpose to my life. I'm not going to link into that or look for that. And we can basically get on Facebook and social media and, and start a thread, start a conversation where it's like, "Dad, yeah, this is silly that these people believe that there's a God and that there's some transcendent purpose. And we can even start a website. We can start some websites, you know, followyourheart.com. I can do this on my own.com. Creating meaning for myself, Com. We can read self-help books. We can tap into these, this research on, on how you are really going to be happy and fulfilled. Just some guru is going to tell you how you're going to be happy and fulfilled. It's usually all about following your own inclinations wherever they might, be, might lead. But at the end of the day, when all these human attempts at meaning fall apart, and 100% they will, it will only substantiate the truth that like gravity, God's purposes, well, they're not negotiable. They're hardwired into us. They're hardwired into our world. We don't get free reign to follow our own inclinations. And that means for us to truly have our best life, the key is to align our purposes with our actual design. The key to having the best life possible is to become the best version of ourselves by aligning ourselves with our creator and what he desires us to be, what he designed us to be, what he wired us to be. And that means we need to pick up our mirror. We need to reflect the goodness of God to the world. That becomes our role. That becomes our actual vocation. This is something that as we align our lives with him, life not only becomes impactful, as we align our lives with our purpose to be a mirror, that we have this vocation of of being a conduit of God's goodness and grace to others, not only do we have an impactful life, a life that makes a difference, but we also realize inner joy we will not have by pursuing other purposes, You see, it comes down to this, that we're not a pawn spinning through the universe trying to just figure this out on our own. We're not here without any rhyme or reason, just kind of going through the motions, trying to make sense of it all, hoping it all works out. We're not dust. You are not dust blowing in the wind. In fact, our relationships, jobs, interests, and hobbies, they're no longer a substitute for God's purposes, but the arena where God's purposes are carried out. That's really important for us to understand that that our job is no longer a substitute for God's purposes, like, man, if I just had that job, if I just had that money, if I could just travel, if I could just have that prestige, I'd be fulfilled and happy, and I, I'd really be all that I could possibly be. And God's saying, no, actually, your job is not a substitute for God's purposes. It's the arena where you live out his purposes. And we say, well, you know, if I, I just, I just had that guy, I just had a girlfriend, I just had that boyfriend, man, if I just had that ring, you know, I would be complete. You know, some people say that today that we find the right person, our soulmate. Man, if I find my soulmate, I'll be complete. I need somebody to complete me. But here's the truth you don't need anybody to complete you, you are complete, you are loved. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And now, when we understand our vocational role, we look at our relationships differently. Now, I'm not looking for a guy or a girl to complete me. I'm already complete, I'm good to go. But I'm looking for a girl or a guy who can help me be a mirror who can help me and be a partner with me to be a mirror of God's goodness and grace to the world, that we get to do it together. You're not a substitute for God's design. You assist me in bringing God's hope and life to other people. It's a radically different understanding of relationships when we understand our vocational calling. The same is true with our job. The same is true with our hobbies. Same is true with any positions or power that we might have in society. Now it's not an end in itself. It's actually the the area, the arena, the vehicle that God uses to bring hope to others. Now as we think about this idea of image bearing and vocation, there's something important that I want to unpack here. Because when we embrace this calling and this vocation, it radically shifts thinking that we have about our destiny and about our future. It changes what we're thinking about and what we are preparing for down the road. Now, let me tell you what I mean. Last week, I shared with you a, a common fear that parents have today that parents look at this world and say, man, the world is screwed up. Like the world is a mess. It's chaotic, it's divided, it's corrupt. There's all this insanity going on. And as a result, I'm worried. I'm worried as a parent. What kind of world is my kid gonna inherit? Or if we have grandkids, we'll say, what kind of world are my grandkids gonna have? We're like, we're really concerned about that. And we unpacked that last week. But there's another concern that's kind of a corollary to that related to that, and linked to the anxiety and chaos in our world now. And it says this, that I just can't wait to put all this brokenness behind me. I can't wait to leave this dysfunctional world and just just say goodbye and die and just go to heaven. I mean, wouldn't that be just a great day? Just finally, I mean, just die and, and go to heaven and and it's true, there, it's, there's no doubt the world's a mess. I mean, we've got crazy things happening, hackers getting into our infrastructure and gas prices going through the roof. We've got all kinds of division happening. We've got immigration problems and issues on the border. Families are just being destroyed and, and very no will, politicians aren't solving things. They just keep fighting and delaying we got all kinds of things with COVID and curriculum that's creating controversy in classrooms. We've got China that has expansionist ideas and, and there's worry about that. So many things concern us and now even Israel and Pal- Palestinians are battling and we don't know the future there as well. Sometimes we read the news and think, man, what is going on? Please, like rapture us, like take us away. Save us from all of this. But there's something I think important here that even though we as Christ followers have immense hope, our hope is very real, that there is a place waiting for us that's unlike this world. There's no doubt about that. Jesus even said to the thief on the cross who accepted him into his life and said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And he's thinking, man, that's way better than this world. I'll sign up for that. Jesus told told us that in his house are many mansions and if it were not true, I would have told you. And you're like, you know, I could do a mansion. I could do a mansion. Like something like that would be really cool because I'm not liking like the way my house is playing out right now down here on the planet. So, So it's true that we have this hope and it's tempting to think that maybe it wouldn't be so bad to just you know, leave it all and go to heaven like that's my destiny, but here's the truth. God's plan for you and will for you is not that you die and go to heaven. That's not his will for your life. It's not God's will that you simply survive in this broken world and bide your time. And man, I just hope I can get through this. I hope I can make it. I hope I can just kind of survive another day. I'm going to shelter myself and shelter my kids and cocoon and protect them. And as if that's God's plan and it's not either. God has something very, very different in mind for you. He has something very, very different in mind for where he's taking this world. We read about the end times in Revelation 21, verse one through four. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. For the old order of things has passed away. Here first we see the destination that God has in mind for us is not some kind of escape from this earth to go to heaven. We don't read about that here. We don't even go up to heaven. And rather the end point of history is a new heaven and a new earth. The end point of history is where these actually merge. Earth and heaven are brought together by God. That's the end point of history uh, into a new place, a new realm that we've not seen before without sin, without idolatry, without selfishness, a place where righteousness dwells. That's why as you read the Bible, there's no talk about, hey, we got to escape and get out of here and go to heaven. But there's one more thing that's very important and interesting about this passage. It's interesting here that we don't actually go up to this new heaven and an earth at all. We don't go up. It says here that the heaven, and that heaven itself actually comes down to earth. We don't go up to heaven. Heaven is coming down here. And that's what we read about in verse 2. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. In other words, our faith in Jesus is not about escaping from this world, getting out of here. Oh God, rapture me, take me out of here. Actually, that's not God's plan for your life. It's not his plan for us as a community. Instead, God has, we remain here so that we can be transformational people, that we can transform this world into a place where God is leading, where God is honored, where God is worshiped, where idolatry is rejected, where the failure of worship is a thing of the past, where we worship boldly and courageously and passionately, and where God's presence is acknowledged and celebrated. That is God's plan for our future. And this is so important because we can miss something here when we don't embrace our vocation. We can miss the fact that in ever greater ways, God wants us to actually be the vessel, the vehicle, to bring that future into the present. You see, that's exactly what Jesus had in mind when he taught us to pray, and he said this. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done, how? on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, this is Jesus' will, that we're not escaping, we're not running away, we're not cowering, we're not cocooning. No, no, we're stepping into the world to say, no, I want to bring a piece of this future, a piece of heaven to this earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, like around me, in my relationships, in my connections, in my workplace, in my my dorm room, in my college setting, wherever that would be. God, I want to bring a piece of that future, that heaven, into this world as we know it. That we take up this vocation, we take up the servant heart of Jesus to love others the way Jesus loved them, to forgive others the way Jesus forgave them, to demonstrate power and life change, and to even suffer because we love God. N.T. Wright puts it this way when he says, The goal is not heaven, but a renewed human vocation within God's renewed, I'm sorry, a renewed human vocation within God's renewed creation. This is what every biblical book from Genesis on is pointing towards. So what we see here is we don't have an escape hatch, It's not like, I just want to die and go to heaven. No, actually, we're supposed to have a vision of this future that God has in store. And we're to snatch a piece of this. And we're to bring it into our own lives. We're to snatch a piece of this and begin to model it. We're to snatch a piece of this and begin to embody it so that we're different, that when people meet us, there, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like, man, what's going on with you? We're bringing the world that's yet emerging into life, in our marriages, our homes, our relationships, and in all our connections. I think what this says to us is that we're to live differently. We serve others now. We forgive others. We love people even who don't love us back. Now, isn't that novel? Like, we're to actually love people who don't like us. Like people who don't like you, whoa, that's a step too far. Wait, I can't, am I supposed to like people who don't? Yes, you are. In fact, you're to love your enemies. Even the people that said some nasty stuff or did this or gossiped at work about you. We're called to love our enemies. There's something empowering about living by a different set of values, life-changing values. Now we want to give of our time. Now we want to give of our treasure. Now we want to give of our talents because we are bringing a piece of the future into this world. You see, our mission, our vocation is to do just that. Bring the values, attitudes, priorities, blessings, and actions of the heavenly realm into our own world to bring the future into the present. And it's interesting how this vocation is linked to Jesus' cross You see, Jesus perfectly fulfilled this vocational calling. Adam and Eve screwed it up royally. They blew it. They they failed to worship, and they failed at their vocation. Horrible failures across the board. Israel, the descendants of, of Abraham, they did the same thing. They failed to worship, and they failed at their vocation to bring blessing to the whole earth. they didn't do it, they failed at it. Jesus never failed at his vocation. And Jesus was the perfect mirror. He always got this right. It says in scripture that he's the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of God's being. He is God in the flesh. He is deity in human form. So Jesus was the perfect mirror. Basically a a conduit of who God is. If you want to know who he is, you look in the face of Jesus because Jesus is God in the present, in the flesh, among us. And what's amazing about this is Jesus never strayed from his vocation. He never stepped away from it. He never got distracted from it. And now, because of the cross, he gives us all we need, everything we need, to take up that vocation ourselves and to succeed We read about that also in Revelation 5. It says this, you are worthy, and it's speaking of Jesus. Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seal because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God and women for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. Here we see the purpose for Jesus coming to this earth, to redeem us, to save us, to forgive us, to give us a fresh start and say, yes, I know you screwed up, you blew it, you hurt yourself, you hurt other people, but if you come to me, I'll wipe that slate clean, I'll separate your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. That's forgiveness, that's grace, that's unmerited favor. He came to do that. It says here that that you were slain And with your blood, you purchase men. You purchase women for God. In other words, he came to create a new people who would live a different kind of life. He came to create a new people who would be united despite our diversity of backgrounds and nationalities and races and socioeconomic backgrounds. It doesn't matter. We're one people in love with God, celebrating our diversity, unified in that. We're one people who just say, God, we're people of grace. We're full of, of your of gratitude for all that you've done. We're a new people, and now we become that conduit because we've received forgiveness. We express that to others. You can be forgiven. Because we receive power from God to live a better life, to become the best version of ourselves, to overcome addictions and setbacks in our own lives, bad decisions that all of us have made. And we are like, wow, God has power to bring me to a better place. And now God says, mirror that. Mirror. Your vocation is to mirror because there's people around you that don't know that. And so we become this breath of fresh air of people who are righteous and growing. Not perfect, not perfect, but being perfected and going in the right direction, and unashamed to tell others about him. And the end of all this is fascinating. Where does his vocation lead us? It says here, you've made them a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And so yes, it looks like darkness is winning. It looks like chaos is taking over. It looks like brokenness will prevail, but here's the truth. The day is coming when God is gonna raise up a new group of people, those who embrace this vocation, and these are the people who are gonna step in and take over and reign and rule in a new heaven and earth where righteousness dwells. We, his children, are gonna change all this it's just a matter of time. We will reign with him on the earth. So don't be discouraged. Don't despair. And don't look for an escape hatch. Don't think, oh man, Lord, take me, take me. This is horrible, you know. Don't say, I, I just want to die. I have hope, I'm ready. Just, I just want to die and go to heaven. No, God has much more in mind for you. He wants you to pick up that mirror. He wants you to embrace your vocation. He wants you to bring hope and life to those around you. That's why you're still here. He wants you to embrace a new life, to come out courageously and boldly and passionately with a new passionate faith, to be the victorious child of God now that you will be forever. You see, a revolutionary new world, it's emerging And you're gonna love it. You're absolutely gonna love it. We're gonna love it. And here's the thing you play a huge role, key role, right now in making it happen. Let's pray.